Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to the weekend show. What if it's afternoon? Well, don't listen to this in the afternoon. You're not. Allowed, we're recording it in the afternoon, though. Yeah, that's why you're not allowed to listen in the afternoon. It's because the the time paradox causes too much problems. It's like make noise picking up a pen. Yeah, and your chair is very creaky at the moment. Yeah, I'm sorry. There will reach a stage during this podcast where I will lean my chair back like this. It'll make noise. And I know to lean it forward will make a noise like that. So I'll end up having to hold myself. I don't have the core strength for this. But I'll end up having to hold myself in position for the duration of the podcast, leaning back, uh, mostly on my tippy toes, so as not to make that noise while you're trying to listen to the podcast. It sounds like a good core workout, but also a terrible audio experience. <laughs> I'm just going to do it for the whole podcast now just to terrorize your poor ears just no warning whatsoever yeah, and the sun's in our eyes it is it's a sunny day it didn't start out that way it was very windy and stormy earlier and it was rainy it's it a, got wet on the way here it's a very indecisive spring afternoon yeah spring has sprung <laughs> wordplay that's not wordplay that's like a common phrase shut up it's still wordplay your wordplay I'll beat the shit out of your face no, you won't. No, I won't. You're not much of a fighter, and you haven't got to core strength. <laughs> we, you know in most of the fights we have fought in our life, I've won. So don't, don't you test me. You do have the psycho edge that I don't have. I do. If you cause me the snap, I will rip you to shreds. <laughs> yeah, Gareth pulled a knife on me in the past. That was an unfortunate childhood incident, Ken, that I don't... I, I, I'm pretty sure... I, I vaguely remembered. I'm pretty sure I didn't intend to stab you. I was just trying to scare you with the knife. Yeah. It was it was kind of scary because like we because <laughs> I pulled a knife on you yes we like we had to, I had the door closed in, in in our living room and I was trying to push it closed and you were shoving the knife through <laughs> it was very like the shining yeah I'm, I'm a psychopath it's fine so I'm Ken this is Gareth a psycho yes I don't have a knife I just have a pen which based on this mark see that mark in my hand Ken yeah for the podcast listeners this is terrible content but okay yeah that's uh, Ronan Doyle stabbed me with a pen in first year of secondary school which was at this stage six oh god I'm so old and and uh, oh god that's like 15 years ago oh Ken it's not that long ago but it's close enough it's like 13 14 why did he stab you uh, that's just the nature of me and Ronan's relationship <laughs> Well, he did turn out to be a gay man. Perhaps there's some, some kind of repressed or, like, anger towards, you know, having to hide his true self. I don't know. I'm psychoanalyzing. Sure. There's also this other mark on me. Where is that? See that? See that little dent in my hand? Yeah, I can, I can confirm it is a bit of a dent there. Uh, we might some, put a picture on a Twitter. It's yeah. Not, it's not very appealing. Luke Kearns stabbed me with a coloring pencil in second class. Yeah. So, you know, implements of writing. They say the pen is mightier than the sword. My body disagrees, Ken. The pen is quite mighty. The pen has dealt you quite a few blows in the past. Weird, when I, when I like, lean my hand back, you can see, like, the skin fold and you can see it more. Yeah, stabbed with a colour. I have a permanent, like, it's it's the, like it's, it's literally like a circle with a little circle in, in the middle of it from literally being stabbed with a colouring pencil. Yeah, it's a permanent reminder of your second class days. Sitting next to Luke Kearns during... Actually, no, it would have been first class. I think it was Mrs. Dunphy rather than Mrs. Collins. So that was even further back. So you would have been about seven? Uh, four, five, six. Six, seven. I wouldn't have turned seven until the end of that year, so six. Oh, yeah, you are quite young. I was a babe. I was a, a young lad who started secondary school not long after turning four rather than deep into turning four or turning yeah, five. Same for me. Starting primary school or like the one after kindergarten, whatever you call it in America these who days. Who cares about what stupid American terms are? But yeah, when I when I started, I was like four, and I was like just four in the July previous to the September. And mm-hmm. um, apparently, that was like bad. They say now you shouldn't do that because the common practice is five now. Is it? Yeah. Is it like wait until five or like the year four turn five? Wait until five. Apparently, that's too old. Then you're nineteen coming out. Yeah, but that's what they're doing. Gary, I don't know. Then you're twenty three coming out of college. Need, then I you're. Need, I don't know if they're even taking four year old kids anymore. They should. Because childcare is a thing, people have more money. But yeah, childcare, the school is literally just, in this state anyway, free childcare. Just yeah. have to buy some books. Exactly, that's why our parents pushed us in as far as, uh, <laughs> as, as quick as they could. They're like, now they're your problem for mm. eight hours a day or whatever. Eight hours? Well, six hours. But then you were, you were held back because you failed colouring it within the lines or whatever. Yeah, sandcastles. Yes. 
and making clay models. Gary, I had a serious illness. I nearly died, so please take that seriously. Please learn how to colour within the lines. Remember when you were like, I want to be an artist? Maybe that's why you never worked out, because you never learned to colour within the lines in first class. Some might Not say... Not first class, it's junior me, Let me... Uh, re- re- what's, what's, what's the... like Rebuke. Rebuke, exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Rebuke your, your comments there. Mm-hmm. Some might say the greatest of artists never coloured within the lines. That's bullshit. <laughs> I enjoyed it though. Some nonsense Picasso abstract bullshit that's just like, this is art. And then you have to, then you just pretend it's art and other people assume it's art because they don't want to seem stupid. So they're like, I see the art. And it's all just a con built on lies. Yeah. Grifter selling cans for millions of dollars. Mm. Who knows? As you might have been able to tell, uh, we have no script again this week. And it's been a couple of weeks since our last episode, so... Is the script a, a, a conscious choice to have a more free-flow-forming pod... Free-form-flowing podcast? Or is it because you don't want to write a script? Well, as evidenced by that phrase, it's not going so well. But it is a conscious effort at this point. I'm just trying to see, like, if we have a loose idea of what we're going to talk about. Is it more interesting or compelling or loose, you know? Just see where it takes us, see if it's like opens up the conversation a bit more. I turned a corner on Trevor Noah's daily show. You have? I have. Do you know do you wanna help me turn a corner? I think I mentioned on the podcast before. Have you seen the stuff on YouTube between the segments that they shoot? Mm. It's good stuff. What you know what's turned the corner for me on him? What? His Donald Trump impression. He is very good, Donald Trump. His, his Trump is far and away the best Trump because it's like, and I'm Donald Trump. It's like loud and obnoxious and it, it's just satire instead of trying to do an impression of him. It's like, like the best satire, uh, I think Mario Rosenstock, who's a famous Irish satirist, was talking about this. It, it, they don't do an impression of who they are. They do an impression of your impression of who you think they are. So like they they blow up the the, the 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 kind of speaking habits or the weird oddities of how they talk or what they do, in order to make a, a satire of it instead of just trying to talk like Donald Trump, which is just talk like a psychopath who doesn't know what he's talking about. I listened to an interesting podcast with Conan O'Brien, his, mm-hmm. his current podcast that he launched recently, which I've already noted my dislike of. Yes, with despite d- never listening to an episode <laughs> with Dana Carvey, uh, Dana Carvey, I should say, which who is a famous impressionist. Mm-hmm. Um, most famous for Wayne's World mm-hmm. and he said the same thing he said it's not about being word perfect it's about picking something about their personality or about their mannerisms and just blowing it up to a million percent yeah but yeah Trevor Noah's Trump has won me over because it's it's very good I do enjoy his Trump do you know what struck me during the week and this is a perfect segue as well he was one of the people who introduced the segment at the Oscars yes and he'd be a great Oscar host no one should host the Oscars it's fine Interesting take. We had the Oscars this last week, so we're going to. Talk I, about- I think I, I didn't watch it, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I think the fact that no one's like, "Oh, I really miss a host," is definitive proof that you don't need an Oscars host. I get why you have an Oscars host. It's mostly a ratings thing. That's like, oh, it's such and such big star. Ellen DeGeneres is hosting the Oscars. And Ellen's a star and people who like Ellen will watch the Oscars because they want to see Ellen host the Oscars. But like from a format standpoint, you don't need a host. You just go from segment to segment and people come out and introduce awards and you go to a musical number and you go to a video package and you introduce awards and you do that on repeat for three hours and 15 minutes and you're done. Yeah, apparently it was one of the shortest one in years because they didn't have so much stuff about the movies and host segments. Yeah, the the, the freaking video packages is like a tribute to the movies and freaking Ellen DeGeneres coming out with their, their pizza jokes and whatever, being like, look how long this is. Wouldn't it be shorter if I wasn't here? And at that stage, you're just like, wait, it is shorter if you're not here. Yeah. They, did, they did kind of bring out the, the, the fallback hosts of Amy Poehler and... What's her name? Tina Fey at the start, didn't they? And Maya Rudolph. Yeah. And added Maya Rudolph to it to just be like, look, there are people you like here. Yeah, I think, yeah, they're, they're, they've been doing a lot of different things the last few years to try and get more people to watch. Like one of their big moves in recent years. It's not so recent, actually. It's actually a good few years ago now, but it sticks out in my mind when they had Anne Hathaway and James Franco hosts. It's like, oh, look, young Hollywood. Yeah, Didn't that was work. disastrous. Yeah, it's like, they're actors, not hosts. It's not a knock on them. And they, in fairness, they did give it a good go and try their best. But but even like super host Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he got it's, it. just, it's, it's just it's a super long show in a bad room that's like not like super high energy or super enthusiastic. And it just ends up being like, yeah. Yeah. And anytime they try something that's a bit risque in terms of commentary or jokes, 
like as you said it's not the room that wants to receive it like they're, mm. they're not the most self-aware of people even though they present themselves that way hey green book went one best picture so they're not the most self-aware freaking people no, at all not. green book is basically like like i've discovered that black people aren't bad they're people it's just less... but the, the overall narrative, i haven't even, haven't even seen the movie but from what i've heard of everyone that described it it's like White people aren't so bad after all, are they? Yeah. White people can learn by talking to somebody. It's like brilliant. Cutting edge satire on our times. It's almost like we've known interaction between people reduces prejudice for decades. And we've made films about this, I think, for the last 50 years, basically. Yeah. It kind of says to me that the people that are voting in these films are a bit out of touch. Or mm. they're... Validating your their own biases in some way. Yeah, I think Oscars go in phases. So for a while it was kind of artsy and like if a movie made money, it was guaranteed not to win an Oscar. It's like mm. you know they're trying to elevate it as like oh we only uh, we only reward the stuff that's like true to filmmaking as an art form. The last few years they're being trying to prove like that they're woke. Mm. Like I'm not well, that- I-, I think it's more that they're not racist. Yeah. After they went a couple of years without nominating any black people. Yeah. And like the whole Oscar so white thing, and now like the last, I think it's like four out of the last five years, a Mexican director has won Best Director, uh, Green Book won Best Picture when it clearly did not deserve it, Mahershala, Mahershala, like every time I I, I think I can get it, and I just messed it up, uh, Ali anyway, uh, won Best Supporting Actor for the second time in three years. Should have been for Into the Spider Verse. Yeah. So like it's a very good supporting performance. I don't want to. I, I, I haven't seen. I don't want to take away from his performance. I don't want to take away from him winning the. Ken Oscar. just wants the white people to win the Oscars. That's what he's saying. And that's. Uh, he was. He was fine with the way things were. Why did you have to change it? No. <laughs> what What I mean is just like it feels like an overcorrection. Like, and I, I'm all for rewarding more uh, artists and nominating different types of performances, but. I think they have to Of be... course, now, if you look at it, they shut out women this year, so... Yeah. It's like, guys, just stop trying to fix something and just look at the bad people who made really good things and try and get out of... Like, like, I'd hazard a guess the vast majority of Oscar voters are white men. Yeah. And thus why... White Jewish men. Thus why you end up... You're, you're hitting a lot of... You're hitting a lot of notes today, Ken. But Hollywood, this is the reason it is why it is. <laughs> It's too antiquated. But yeah, the, the majority of them are probably white men, so you end up having white men being nominated for most things. Or issue films that deal with issues that appeal toward white men, probably usually older white men, are the stuff that tends to land there. Uh, and that probably goes back to who we're voting on these films, and honestly, how much of these films do these people actually watch? But... Yeah. yeah. I did, as I said, I didn't watch the Oscars, because like, I missed it on TV. And the way the Oscars is basically set up, if you don't see it on TV, you don't see it at all. Yeah, they're very concerned about protecting the brand for some reason. Mm. Put the freaking speeches on YouTube! It's 2019! What are you doing not putting these speeches on YouTube? It's a no-brainer. and Because they, they do a lot of Twitter coverage and stuff like that. And... Why aren't young people watching the Oscars? It's like, maybe, because you don't make it accessible to them. Young people don't watch television anymore. I don't want. Like, I only watch sport on TV. That's the only TV I watch. I think the only thing that holds it back is that normally a, a major broadcaster will bid quite a lot of money to air it, mm-hmm. uh, either for a number of years or it's kind of like the Super Bowl goes throughout the networks over the years. But maybe that's kind of what's holding it back to kind of money factor. Yeah, and people are desperately clinging to a day. Day is dying. I'm sure it still makes them money, so it makes sense. But yeah. Rami Malek won for Best Actor. Terrible performance in a bad film. You weren't fond of that? No. Again, it, 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 it was selling that kind of narrative. It's that kind of like, uh, we're not like, America isn't like Trump a narrative because he's obviously the son of immigrants and he's a first generation Egyptian. Uh, Terrible performance in a bad film. Do you think that was part of this kind of overcorrection of trying to kind of... No, sell, I just think it's, it's a freaking, it's one, it's a biopic, which increases the likelihood of winning an Oscar by 50%. Two, it's a musical, which increases the likelihood of winning an Oscar by probably another 50%, which just guaranteed his victory. And he had some transformation process, which again adds another like 15%. So he, he had like 115% chance of winning that Oscar. And playing an old British royal or dignitary or politician is like a surefire way to win an Oscar. Yeah. Like Helen Mirren, the Queen. Uh, Meryl Streep. Or Street. ju- just a British person in yeah. general, I think. It doesn't Meryl, even need Meryl Streep, Thatcher. Uh, what's that guy? Oh, the guy who won it last year for, for playing Churchill. Uh, Gary Oldman. 
And, and this year, obviously, uh, Olivia Coleman uh, for playing one of the queens. I think is the first Elizabeth. You had uh, Eddie Redmayne for Hawking as well. Yeah. So it's just, just a biopic where you play a British person and throw in some music there. You're, that just adds your odds. Uh, you're going to win an Oscar. It's fine. Do you think it's because American people have daddy issues? I think it's just they they see like British as the height of pinnacle of culture. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, look at the accents. They sound so smart. <laughs> the transformation. Yeah. I, 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 yeah like, as I said, there, there, there are boxes you can tick that make you considerably more like, like freaking Christian Bale's performance in Vice is acting through prosthetics. It's just you know it's transform transformative but it's basically him turning us up into chevy chase for a film yeah i think there's much more i suppose air quotes acting in creating a person that doesn't actually exist yeah one one award i was happy to see garen i'm a disney guy but i was happy to see them taken down this year and uh, into the spider-verse win best animated feature yeah i haven't seen record ralph but by all accounts it's fine i've seen the incredibles 3 it's actively bad. Well, it's not bad, but, but it's... It doesn't exist, Gary. It's, it's two, whatever. Two. It's thoroughly mediocre. It just exists. Uh, and yeah, Into the Spider-Verse is a tremendous film. This is to be... That's the only horse I had in this race, really. And it won, so I'm happy. Yeah. I, I, it was the first film... I think one of the, the only films in a long time, and I, I did feel this to an extent in parts of uh, Avengers Part 1, mm-hmm. but like where I was actively engaged with the film and I was just excited watching it and I felt like I was watching something new and different and like I I think it's and it was a four year labour which for these times is a long time to work on an animated film back in the day like like to the Lion King I think that was in development for like seven years it's gotten shorter and shorter with everything like games as well you, you see it as well you know games used to be take four or five years now they're down to two years or one year like which well, depends on the creates insanely bad working environments for these people but anyway uh, like it's interesting like it's an animated film where you know, like usually like the the stereotype for animated films is the voice cat fast walk in for an afternoon of recording and bang it out yeah whereas apparently with this they were like all right we have to re-record them we have to tweak it oh, maybe we you know that that was the, like the whole approach of the film was like incrementally improving it and improving on it at, at every possible imaginable step yeah and it was kind of a labor of love every, like one of the like my favorite stories about uh you know the disney renaissance was that uh the lion king and pocahontas were in development at the same time and the lion king was a bit of an unknown property and i know some say it's based on shakespeare but you know it was kind of nobody knew how it would turn out so apparently everybody wanted to get off uh, the Lion King and work on Pocahontas because they thought it would be the more successful and prestigious and stand the test of time and I kind of thoroughly believe that the Lion King became what it became because of that you know because of that people who were working on it were passionate and they were the underdogs so I think it's the same case with this movie as well it has Elton John music as well <laughs> yes it does Colors of the Wind very good song nothing on Elton John yeah and Pocahontas is largely like people like it there's people who are firmly on team Pocahontas but as I said besides a good few good songs it's kind of a disappointing movie and and, and uh, history has vindicated The Lion King as the winner yes far and away and Elton John again didn't want to do the songs for The Lion King because he thought it was beneath him so all these things conspired and I think it's the same with uh, with Spider-Verse as well it had a great soundtrack and I don't get that like obviously if he thought it was going to be bad that's one thing but beneath like the Lion King has opened Elton John up to an entirely different generation of people. And like, from a purely marketing perspective, you'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. It definitely increases longevity, I would he say. He did songs for the Gnome films! He or did. at least the songs are in the Gnome films. I'm well, not sure did he do any original songs. In subsequent years, he has a family of his own. He has kids, so that's probably the reason he softened on that. And he saw that there's big money if these things take off. Plus, uh, Sherlock Gnomes. Actively good film. Yeah. It's one of my top uh, animated films of last year. Gnomeo and Juliet, okay. Sherlock Gnomes, very good. And it was surprising because because that film is okay, you're like, really? Another one? They're doing another one? Okay. And it's like, better have the music because this is going to be shaky otherwise. And it was, besides having some good uh, John tracks again, it was a good story. Yeah, it's a good film. Watch Sherlock Gnomes. Also, very good gnome puns. Very good gnome puns. Speaking of Spider-Man Sherlock- gnome coming. Good one. Yeah. Speaking of Sherlock Gnomes, Gar, um, Sherlock Holmes. Oh, you've been uh, uh, loyal listener Rob Reed has also been reading Sherlock Holmes. He's been tweeting about the use of the word ejaculated on Twitter. Yeah, we'll speak about that in a second because that's mm-hmm. quite interesting. Uh, did you start listening to it before you saw Rob tweeting about it? I did actually. I, I wasn't aware that Rob was tweeting about it. So you and Rob are just happened to be. We're simpatico. That's one yeah. of my words I've been using overusing in the last week. People hate it. 
That's why I'm using it. Because you're an obnoxious jerk. You're like middle management. It's like, we got to be sympathetic on this, you know? Synergize. It's like, what does that even mean? I hate you. <laughs> I bought the complete collection a few years ago on my Kindle. I never read it. Of and course. This, uh, it's one of my, those things, like, it's, it's a bucket list thing where I want to read them, and I just never got around to it. But uh, I had a four-month subscription to... Audible, which I cancelled because obviously they're going to charge me full price next month. Sponsor us and we'll renew it, Audible. Yeah. Give us a promo code that no one will use. Holding them to ransom. <laughs> yeah. They they advertise on a lot of podcasts, actually. I assume most of those advertise... Like, I assume they're not paying for... I assume it's like based on use of promo code. Yeah. Like, we'll pay you so much for so many uses yeah. of promo codes. A lot of podcasts will have their own custom ones so they can measure how, how many people went there because of that podcast. Or they have a section on the checkout where it says who sent you. So that's how, I think that's the model on which they get paid. Yeah, I'd assume that's how they're, they they dish out payment as opposed to just tracking success. But yeah. I don't know. But getting back to my point, like every so often I'll subscribe to Audible. And I got a good few books I wanted out of it as well. Like I'm still a fan of reading books, but I, I like like when a book is a kind of like a biopic or like a, a, satir- a comedy book or like kind of memoirs. I like when the person reads it themselves and it's, it's an enjoyable way of consuming it. Uh, I, I read, mm. I listened to, what's the, what's the verb now when you re- re- listen to a book and also read it? Listen, I guess? It's, yes, it's, all, it's a listen. Just yeah. that it's, a, just that it's also in written text somewhere. It doesn't mean you're not reading it. Yeah, so I listened to Tom Hanks' book of short stories, which was made more enjoyable. I would, like, I would have enjoyed reading it, but I think it was enjoyable hearing him read me stories before bed. Tom Hanks is just like lulling you off into tom hanks comfortable happy dreamland where everything is safe and wonderful and tom hanks is there to to help you through life yeah anyway getting on to my point was i uh i had one more audible credit and they have like it's not the complete works but it's like like a definitive collection read by stephen fry mm-hmm. and apparently the the value on audible if you're to buy it without credits if you're not a member it's like 70 pounds that's a lot of money it's a lot of money so i got it for like a fiver mm. so I've been listening to that since last night uh, I'm currently in the middle of a study in Scarlet which is the first Sherlock Holmes story mm. and it's everything I didn't know I needed in my life it's just like timeless story like old timey kind of pleasant English with like lots of extra words that aren't needed just to make the, the sentence more polite like ejaculated <laughs> yes We'll get on to that in about a second. And Steve Ken is currently ejaculating his enthusiasm about Sherlock Holmes. Exactly. And Sherlock Holmes being read by Stephen Fry, who is a huge fan of the series, uh, as evidenced by the fact that he played Mycroft in the Robert Downey Jr. franchise. Mm. Uh, it's just really, really... It's like taking into that kind of... They're making another one of them, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, it's out this year. I think it's out this year again. Are or no, finally... 2020, I think, yeah. Because yeah, that one's been in, like... Or it's coming for a long time now, hasn't it? When was the last one? Like, 2012 or something? I'd say so, yeah. Good lord. I forgot if RDJ has been very busy, but... Yeah, but it's one of those things like, you know, that kind of podcast or that kind of audio experience that takes you to your happy place, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. But it got me thinking, Gareth, it's like, Sherlock Holmes, like, it's it's still like one of the hottest properties around, like, it's one of the most adapted of all time besides I think the likes it is of Tarzan. the most adapted of all time, isn't yeah. it? Sherlock Holmes is the most adapted character in the history of characters. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about what, what makes these things, like resonate with people and stay with them and kind of continue through generations I don't know one thing you raise a point with Gara it's a good point and we talked around the fact that the whole uh, Disney are trying to block the fact that Mickey Mouse is going to become public domain mm-hmm. and because their argument is that he's have such he's of such cultural importance that they should be the guardians of his shut up you make money off him yeah but like the reason that like I want to talk about because like obviously I've been listening to Sherlock Holmes and it kind of piqued my interest in this kind of to- topic. But when you mentioned uh, Sherlock Gnomes, it actually kind of raised a good point. Do these th- these things uh, stand the test of time, or as one of the elements because they do enter the public domain? Because like yeah, while you pay seventy bucks for Stephen Fry performed versions of the audiobooks, you can find very legally, perfectly perfectly legally, all of their Sherlock Holmes books on the internet for free. Yeah, because they're out of copyright. So like uh, the, 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 this character has been adapted over and over again because you have to pay nothing in order you could I can make a Sherlock Holmes film in the morning and no one can go I own that so no same with Tarzan same with uh, who else, what else is constantly made um, like Alice in Wonderland um... mm, it's actually going to be fascinating because we, we I think we live in in 
at the peak of cultural times were producing a great deal of different culture and different characters, many of which are iconic. Like, what happens? And th- this is going to become an entirely... De- like, I'd hazard a guess our copyright laws are changed dramatically before a lot of this happens, because, as you said earlier today, uh, money rules America, and that's the sad fact of life. But, like, what happens when Captain America is out of copyright? And anybody can make a Captain America story. Or, as you said, Mickey Mouse. Or James Bond. What happens when, what's his name, wrote the books? Neil Fleming. What happens when he's been dead for 75 years and suddenly that copyright? Gone. You can read all the books and anybody can make a James Bond film. Yeah. That's uh, like that. That's where the immortalizations of these characters do come from. Because uh, eventually when that copyright expires, every everyone who's looking around saying, I don't want to make my own thing because I either don't have confidence in my vision or I don't have confidence in the consumers will have interest in it. So I will adapt Sherlock Holmes into elementary or Sherlock or the the films. Or, Sherlock Gnomes. Or Sherlock Gnomes. They can turn the dumb gnome film into a Sherlock Gnomes film without actually paying anybody. Yeah. I, well, I think it's hilarious as well when studios come out with adaptations of things at the exact same time. Like that double Tarzan film? Double Tarzan film, double Snow White film, because these things are free and like they almost seem to do it to like to torpedo each other at times, I think. We had the, the double, um, what do we call it, Hercules films as well, didn't we? Yeah. But then how do you explain as well? Because, as we said, the likes of Looney Tunes, the likes of Muppets, the likes of, you know... Uh, uh, Mickey Mouse is still in copyright as he said these things are, are just as iconic and stand the test of time and kind of go through generations well in those cases Disney <laughs> I think is the connecting thread yeah. like Disney have uh, Disney are no less they're more prevalent now than they were 50 years ago so of course they're, they're, they're central characters they're going to be like the Muppets aren't that relevant right now like they yeah. had their resurgence there with the Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted in the TV show but as we speak the Muppets are pretty low key they're like a touring act at the moment. Yeah, they just pop up here and there. And, and like it'll go in peaks and valleys. And if it so happens that eventually the world is like, I'm done with Kermit the Frog, Kermit the Frog will fade away. Because like we, we, we look I'm at... I'm so sad when you said that sentence. Yeah, I think it just made you depressed. Like we look at something like Sherlock Holmes. When was Sherlock Holmes written? The 1800s? Yeah, around that. The 19th century. Anyway. How much literature was written during that period? A lot. Probably a ton. How much of it is still relevant in 2019? Well, it's actually funny as you say that because uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle who wrote the Sherlock Holmes books interesting guy like he's like in the army and he was a doctor he's also a talented cricketer he played for Portsmouth in goal a former Premier League football team but he played the, the cricket team he played on also had A.A. A. A. Milne and uh, like he created Winnie the Pooh I think he, someone else that created a famous character as well it might have been Tolkien or one of those mm-hmm. but like so like, like that's quite a cricket team <laughs> I don't think it was Tolkien someone who created some other famous British property anyway I literally heard this last night and I can't remember was it Lewis Carroll possibly one of those yeah but uh, they, uh, it's, it's just amazing how like it goes in generations because like a lot of stuff came around that time as well yeah so like it's easy for us to look back and say look at these iconic 1800s characters that still live today when there are hundreds probably thousands that just gone it's like I, was, I always think about this with pro wrestling like, you think, who are, like, the famous pro wrestlers that, that live on from the 80s? There's, like, Hulk Hogan, there's Ric Flair, and there's Roddy Piper. Other people are relevant. And, like, as time passes, people like Ricky Steamboat just become a little less relevant. And people yeah. like Terry Funk just become a little less relevant. And while, like, the the head the, the, the Hulk Hogans of the world will be Hulk Hogans until the end of time, probably. Or at least at the end of when pro wrestling is a medium that people care about. You know, the, 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 the freaking junkyard dogs of the world just slowly fade away so that in 50 years there's probably the people will still know who Hulk Hogan was but I don't think anybody on earth will know who uh, I'm trying to think of like a a Coco Beware was you know yeah I think another one factor here is that a lot of these things take off or are are kind of connected with formative years so like Mm. I would have grown up with wrestling uh, this year actually is my 20th Wrestlemania as a fan which kind of was weird to me I've, I've been a fan of wrestling for 20 years mm. uh, that was my first ever event that's what got me hooked that's why I always dreamt of going you know uh, Disney movies were very much a, a, a very important thing to me so like it's possibly as well because these things carry an important part of your childhood but like they kind of stay in your heart because you know they remind you of a time when things were different or you know because obviously I think as an adult sometimes 
we kind of have to let go of those things. So it's, I don't know, maybe it's just the comfort of knowing that they're there. There's also the, the people, the Lion King is 23 years old now. 20, it was 94. So 20, it was, it was early 25. 94. So it's 25 years old. The people that went to see the Lion King at that time are in their late 20s and early 30s. What do you think the average age of Disney executives making decisions about making films are, Ken? 20s and 30s? I'd imagine late 20s, early 30s, 40s are the latest. There's obviously some people who would be older. But, like, eventually we're like, when when people get into those positions and they're like, well, what are we going to green? That Lion King, that really affected me when I was young. Let's, let's do something with that. And that's how that, like, people are like, why are we remaking everything? It's like, because the people in decision-making positions probably loved these things growing up. They're like, let's do another Lion King. Plus, it'll make money. But let's do another Lion King. But then there's a cost-benefit analysis, as you said, of, you know, being a known IP with, you know... Yeah, with a, a large fan base and a great deal of emotional attachment and plenty of merchandise opportunities. Yeah, that's interesting. Speaking of a great sense of emotional attachment, Garrett, Detective Pikachu had another trailer. That film looks so good! I'm, I'm such a big fan of Ludicolo. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, Ludicolo! You're definitely going to have It's to. terrifying. <laughs> it's the best... I, it's just it's and like Snorlax just sitting in the middle of the road while Machamp is di- redirecting traffic around it yeah, it's you had a good tweet that said that they actually did a good job of integrating them into the world so it makes sense and for some reason Ludicolo is a, a barman he's a bartender <laughs> who's just like Ludicolo <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I legit marked out when Mewtwo showed up that was do you think it was giving so I saw some people giving out about it being revealed in the trailer but like it's Mewtwo he's in the film yeah everything's given away in the trailer these days I don't think anything is held back because money <laughs> money like uh, because as we, we talked about I think it was last week these trailers and these, these, the hype is is a money making venture in itself and I, if, if you're to hold it back it has to be phenomenal yeah. Like it's either we like look how good Mewtwo Mewtwo's in the film. People go Mewtwo's in the film. I'm going to go see the film. Or Mewtwo's appearance in the film has to be so good that when people come out of that film everyone's like Mewtwo was in the film. And I don't think Mewtwo's probably going to have that big of a role in the film that will have people being like oh that Mewtwo part you got to see it. And the latter is a riskier venture as well. Yeah, you're you're less likely to make money. So, yeah. that, that that's the reason everything ends up in trailers because that's probably more likely to drive people to see the film than coming out of the film to spread the word some people are still dubious about the look of the Pokemon I think, I think they, they need to get great. over it yeah it's like when you, I saw a lot of comparisons this week comparing those Pokemon to Genie from Aladdin the Will Smith one and no. I'm like yeah it looks way better <laughs> We're, we're, we're spoiled with these wonderful looking Pokemon in this cool looking world with this I think perf- from a tone perspective perfect film like there's uh, I pulled this clip from my own Twitter as well but there's a bit where Pikachu and his friend walk into Pikachu's apartment and knocks over a pile of papers and Pikachu's like my clues <laughs> <laughs> like it's so stupid I think it had to be that self aware though because you're kind of a live action Pokemon film I don't think it should be fully farcical in the sense that I think uh, especially if you want to make subsequent films that are not Detective Pikachu there has to be some kind of element of stakes and kind of reality to it but it, it also has to be kind of I think people respond again people our age respond to something that kind of gives us that nostalgia kick but also kind of gives us that kind of that kind of what's the word self-awareness or that kind of uh, self-deprecation as an adult that we kind of enjoy as well that kind of mm. comedy that's why the likes of the Lego movie is so successful as well did you see the Ryan Reynolds video the day before the trailer where he's like oh I got into the character of Pikachu no oh you have to watch it it's phenomenal he's like when I got the call I was on my way to collect my daughters and they were like you're Detective Pikachu now I didn't collect my daughters Pikachu doesn't know who those girls are (laughs) and then they cut away to he's like he does that whole bit about how like he's getting deep into character he's like I tried to lose 180 pounds to be the way to Pikachu until doctors intervened. And then they just <laughs> cut away to, to what's meant to be his wife. I, I don't know if it is his wife. It might be. Who knows? But they cut away to her. He's like, it's just him. He's just doing his own voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very good. Like the yeah. tone of that, the tone and the marketing of that film have been perfect. And I'm very excited. And we're finally going to have a, I'm, I'll be so, I'll be so sad if this film isn't good. Because yeah. like, or it's like we're finally going to have a good... Of course it's going to be Pokemon. But we're finally going to have a real good video game film. And if it's not good, I'll be sad. But I'm very hopeful. Yeah. And they kind of, in that, I haven't seen it. I must check it out. But they kind of addressed the whole like, oh, it's just Deadpool. Yeah. 
because like it's that kind of self-awareness that Ryan Reynolds is just like and Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is the perfect person for this type of film because he's not afraid to do those type of things and he's he's almost like he's like his shtick is that he just doesn't take himself too seriously and like mm-hmm. people love it because obviously he's a, a very attractive movie star but it, like that's a very attractive trait in someone where they're kind of just what do what they want to do and then everyone else can just suck it have you, you seen the Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolved trailer no Oh, you haven't. They're remaking the original Pokemon film Ooh. in 3D. Ooh. Yeah, full full 3D film rather than 2D. Interesting. It looks strange. I'm not sure do I like it, but it's it's certainly interesting. I found the 3D elements in the recent Pokemon film we went to see. Yeah, that was I don't garbage. like I don't like them. It was They're, jarring, yeah. And they have little bits of it in the the anime as well, and I really don't like it. And like yeah, we're going to talk about our sword and shield in a moment. What's that, Gar? It's this is a whole new world we live in, Ken, because there's brand new Pokemon coming. The new generation of Pokemon Generation 8 in the Galar region based on the United Kingdom. Pokemon Sword and Shield. And they revealed those uh, three new Pokemon originally in like a 3D CG trailer. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really love them. But then they showed like the 2D artwork of them. And I'm like, Grookey, I will go to the grave with you. What's the bunny one again? Scorbunny. Scorbunny is my guy. And Sobble. Sabo can suck my dick. Sabo, okay. <laughs> okay. He's so sad looking. He's like derpy and sad. But the first version is... He's like a depressed water lizard. The first person... The first version of... First person. First version of Scobble I saw was a 3D version. It just looked weird. He's just a... But then again, like, the 2D art, again, like, I, I get it. Because it, it, for some reason, it's less high fidelity but I, I can relate to it more I can kind of you could. Uh, I think the characters have just a ton more charm and like, like as I said they showed it was a 3D character reveal trailer and I'm like they look fine and then while after that they showed like the, the, the 2D artwork of them and it's like you just see the character and the expressiveness of them so much more I'm team score but bunny uh, I'm really glad that they're good doing on switch grookey grookey okay we're gonna agree to disagree on that mm. I, nor- I normally go with the fire one sometimes I, the, the... he's a monkey who's a grass monkey and he yeah. has a stick in his head that he hits people with the water one is like my least favorite throughout the, all the games I think I, 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 that's I like Totodile I like Squirtle I like Piplup actually Piplup Piplup I like uh, I, Mudkip's pretty good no. Oshawa oh, no, 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 no. I, think, I think they're pretty good I don't like Oshawa he's like a shell guy yeah it's going to be on Switch again after the success of Let's Go Pikachu and Let's it's Go so much nicer looking than Let's Go though yeah like Let's Go was a very like I, I'm pretty sure it, it just came down to they wanted to faithfully recreate those original games. Yeah. But they ended up looking a little hollow. They and whereas the level of detail in the environments and the buildings and the the rooms in this game looks so much better than the freaking Let's Go games, which are very sterile, very controlled. It's like the, there's just a book sh- a chair in a bookcase, and the buildings all just look like buildings. Whereas this is like they come out of a cottage, and there's like ivy going down the cottage, and there's like a full garden there, and when they go into the rooms, there's like the Full, rooms are fully decorated it's like there's they, they put so much effort into this i can i can understand when you're in a transitional period of going from the 2d games which people know and love for a long time when you're going to that 3d environment you want to kind of have a slower transition you don't want to go fully high fidelity because i think people will push back against that as well because mm. the internet is terrible also like they made sun and moon in 2016 then they've had two sub teams which i assume have pulled some resources making ultra sun and ultra moon and let's go pikachu and let's go eevee and like this is the team that made sun and moon have been working on this probably for basically three years so like you, you can't overhaul a series in three years you know you can't take the the entire core of pokemon and throw it out the window and rebuild it from the ground up doing something bizarre and imaginary in three years and like if they went another two years without releasing this game people would lose their shit it's like why don't we have Pokemon? Not to mention the the miniatureness is part of the charm in mm. some ways for me because pretty much that's what I'm used to for so many years. Although I will say Sun and Moon didn't grab me. I, I, I like Sun it. and Moon. I didn't finish. I didn't like the Aloha reason region. You hate islands. You hate Hawaii. I like. I I didn't care much for X and Y. I thought I didn't like the Paris setting. Yeah. But like people. Are... Oh no, that's the one I didn't finish. The Paris one. Yeah. Actually, I haven't finished a Pokemon game in a while. I'm really bad. Yeah. But I, did, I liked. I liked the. the I, I didn't get the last one. Because I didn't finish the previous one. I didn't like the Paris setting. Not much no, I, I, I wasn't a fan of the like, French thing, yeah. Or the theme for uh, Gen 5, the theme for black and white, was basically just bridges. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I liked that game a lot. But as I hiccup, the, the the big criticism of the Pokemon series is that it's not evolving, pardon the pun. Um, which, like, it's Pokemon. Like, you want the game to stop being what the games have been. And at that stage, 
Pokemon's probably just not for you anymore. That's what I'm saying. And like, I, I get it because like these games can be very similar game to game. And like it does need a big change in setting and environment. But at the end of the day, it's a turn-based RPG where you run through eight gyms, fight Pokemon League and win the game. But uh, I think that argument kind of is a bit flimsy in the sense that people will buy FIFA games every year. And they're mostly mm. the same. People will buy 2K games, whatever sport they want. Wrestling games are pretty much the same every year. And for me, part of the appeal is the familiarity. It's kind of like comfort food in a video game. Because like, I've been making my way through Let's Go Pikachu. And in fairness, you just kind of work through it like a, a kind of... There's no real challenge in it. The odd time you lose, you know, a battle. But really, it's just for the experience of it rather than actually the challenge, you know? Mm. I do think that... The, like, I think... Was it Sun and Moon or X and Y? Both, maybe. I think they've become too easy. And not in the sense that I want them to be hard. But I, I, I want, a, like, a basic level of difficulty. I don't want them to be challenged by a Pokemon game. But, I like, there's, there's some battles, a lot, particularly in X and Y... Where like all of the battles were just like they had for like the first four like areas of that game where most of the the trainers you're fighting had one or two Pokemon. Yeah. And then you're you're just not like you're that that doesn't open you up to the variety of your own Pokemon team. Yeah. Like like the first Pokemon you send up beats out the Pokemon and like you don't even have opportunities to switch out. I know that most people the way they play the, those games is they pick one Pokemon. It's probably the way you do it, and yeah. that's your Pokemon for the whole game. Although let's go, let's go has kind of changed that in that they it, give experience to all the Pokemon. Yeah, you know, my Pokemon are actually pretty much all the same level now at this point, so mm. that can be a good thing or a bad thing. But they, I think they, they did a good job with Let's Go because your Pokemon level up at a at a rate that kind of matches the the trainers you meet as mm. you go through the game. So I think that's really well done in that sense. So uh, in fairness, I I'm glad that I I got Let's Go and I got Google Car got it for me. So thanks very much. Merry Christmas! But I'm glad I got it because it got me into back into Pokemon games because I I think I agree with you. The last two couple have been a bit easy, a bit kind of one dimensional for want of of, of a non pun. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm excited by this and I, I'm not necessarily excited by the new Pokemon because I think they're getting Grookey, Grookey, You get, you get some really nice ones, but you get some that are like dumb and you're just like like Grimer though. People are like, oh, Voltorb is a rolling Pokeball. Lazy as heck. Grimer is just a pile of sludge, which evolves into a larger pile of sludge. I don't mind if I if, if I can conceive when, how they'd be born. How does Grimer become sentient? But, uh, my Physically, point... or like, like, oh, like, you know, Grimer, toxic sludge, whatever, became a thing. Sentient. <laughs> sentient like, sludge. Like, I think the only way to get away with these things, like the keychain and the rubbish and all this, is if they're a ghost. Yeah, be honest. Like, like people give out as like, oh, like Trubbish, or, or as you said, Klefki, or, or the, the ice cream, Vanillox, the ice cream Pokemon. Uh, I think that's the. It's just like just go. It's like there was dumb Pokemon in Gen One too. Do you like this? Is one of my strategies. Like also, they've run out of animals. Yeah. <laughs> that's another thing altogether. They've, they've made it so you kind of have to catch Pokemon. It's the way to success in the game because linked to let uh, let's go. Yeah, that was particularly start. let's go was particularly heavy. Like by the looks of it, there this is very back to the traditional. Yeah. Uh, random battles, trainer battles is where you get most of your experience. Because catching Pokemon in Let's Go is kind of how you level up and stuff. It's worth way more experience than trainer battles. It's, like it's very much linked to to Pokemon Go, and that's the one element I didn't like because I. Like the one, like well, they kind of mix it up a little bit because when you catch Snorlax, you kind of have to battle them as well. Mm. So they kind of mix it up. I think like if they had mixed it up more, I would like it. But yeah, it's just that kind of whole thing of I'm not a big fan of catching multiple of the same Pokemon for no reason. It's kind of like Safari yeah. Zone shit. And you kind of had to do it in that game to get experience. Exactly. And they incentivized it because if you chained catching the same Pokemon over and over again, you got more experience for doing that. Yeah, I'm not even a big fan of catching all the Pokemon. Like, I, like there's some like I don't like to look at that. I'm not gonna catch it. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Because yeah, usually, like the end game has requirements. Yeah. That, like you have to catch like sixty. Or actually, they changed that in the later games to C sixty, which I preferred. Yeah. Rather than forcing me to catch the terrible Pokemon that I don't want. Yeah, they did that in Let's Go as well, where you have to get get in certain rewards or get into certain gyms. You have to have a certain amount of Pokemon as well. Mm. So yeah, I, I'm a small bit disappointed because Let's Go. I think the coolest feature of that game is that the Pokemon walk around in the field. Yeah, you know the the Pikachu spawns in front of you and you see it in front of you, and that doesn't appear at least at the moment to be in Sword and Shield. 
Yeah, I which like is that. out. Uh, Sword and Shield is out late this year. It feels a bit more organic, I think, when they're just out in the environment. You can go towards them, and you, and, and, and you can avoid them. I think exactly, the... and you can say, "Look, I don't want that Pokemon." And sometimes, I like it does. I do have a tiny bit of rage when I accidentally bump into a Pokemon and let's go. It's like, no, I try to avoid you. <laughs> or occasionally, like it spawns literally right in front of you, yeah. and it's like, no, no, I spent three seconds getting out of this battle. <laughs> yeah. Although, in fairness, that the way it's set up, like. Before there was a, a, a classic kind of uh, mechanic in the game where sometimes you couldn't get away from the Pokemon, but yeah. because there's no battle, you, you can get away every time. So it's not too much of an inconvenience. Yeah, by the looks of it, it's back to that old school Pokemon formula: Pokemon and Grass, beat them up, catch them. Yep. Fight trainers, beat them. Uh, people are like, I want a big story in my Pokemon game. It's like I'm like, no, no. I'm just like, just let me catch cool critters in a cool world, beat eight gyms, fight the Pokemon League, and give me some stuff to do afterward. Like, literally, that's all I want from these people. Are like, and, and, like, if they did something huge and transformative and make it made it this big open-world game, which, as I said, would take them five to six years to overhaul the Pokemon formula to that degree, um, that would be great. But I'm fine with them just churning. Not quite... The churning out is the wrong way to put it, because, as I said, Sun and Moon was uh, released in 2016, and the, the last game this director worked on was those games, so one would safely assume he has been working on this game for three years. Yeah. I think they can they can do that if they want to, but I think it's safer having it as a different game. Yeah. Like, there's a Pokemon series that we're all familiar with that we want, that we know what we're getting out of it, and that's what we want out of it, much like a FIFA, as I said. And any changes in the format, I think, should come in a different kind of game or different <laughs> and pokemon love their spin-offs they sure do there's pokemon rumble world there's pokemon coliseum pokemon snap pokemon art academy pokemon picross pokemon pinball pokemon mystery dungeon pokemon uh, uh what's the name of the shuffle pokemon uh what's the, the detective pikachu detective pikachu is a spin-off of pokemon pokemon the pixel one they released last year there are more pokemon spin-offs than you can throw a hat at so the someday they'll do one so like that let's go is technically a spin-off it's it's it, it's diverting from the mainstream formula the main pokemon series formula yeah well they had been known for remake, remaking or remastering the older games but this is like the first time in that kind of format yeah, that's the second time they've remade the the original ones. Yeah. So, Gara, we've managed to semi-successfully make our way through another podcast without any without any safety net, without any script. In fairness, the script is probably less of a safety net than it is a hindrance. Yes, especially with me trying to read things. I like I still stumble, but like I'm a human being, okay, and I don't do well with reading mm. out loud. I don't know why. I try to practice. It's not great. Yeah, but uh, and like, say, like uh, when we had a script, it's literally just like bullet points of here's what we want to talk about. Yeah, and this one is just like we're going to talk about Pokemon probably and the Oscars and Sherlock Holmes, and yeah. here we are forty seven minutes later. And uh, by the way, the natural segue we had from Sherlock Holmes into Sherlock Holmes was perfect, and I'm like, this is podcasting mastery. Yeah, I think the way we segued into Pikachu is also mastery as well. Like this, this, this is podcast perfection. This is the kind of thing that you submit to podcast hall of fames as the perfect podcast. As I'm going to say, a lot of peas so to make your ears go puh. Yeah, podcasts are becoming a thing now. So maybe the Oscars might move into podcasts and we'll get Oscars. Well, there would have to be vlogs or vodcasts or yeah, I just want an Oscar for nothing okay yeah, just give, give me one give me a game. it would be probably the Grammys given it's an it's an hour world medium yeah do you want a Grammy I'll take a Grammy I wouldn't say no just carried it around when she's like I got a Grammy You're like here Gary you want a Grammy to, what's this worth to you like just go around to places just saying like I've got a Grammy give me something for free and they're like no I, I don't watch the Grammys or like yeah oh my god you got a Grammy yeah here's a car for freshener woo I don't even have a car but uh, thanks for listening. As you kick the desk. I kick the desk. I'm trying to be professional. See that See that little line there as I lean forward? Can you see yeah. this little line here? That's you kicking the desk. I could totally edit that out if I want to, but I'm not going to for the sake of authenticity. Yeah, you, you can hear our flaws. We, do, we don't hide our mediocrity from you. <laughs> Except if it's extremely mediocre, maybe we might. Yeah. But that's our show for this week. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. I can notice by memory this is on the script every week. Yeah. If you like what you've heard, please tell other people. Tell them to... Just shout out the window. Just shout out the window. It's like, hey, I'm listening to The Weekend Show. It's pretty great. It's a podcast, so if you listen to it, you'll be cool. Or, alternatively, get a boom box. Hook your your, your your podcast device up to it. And just walk around listening to us. And then more people just listen to us. So that your one listen is worth like ten. Yes, and if you want to tell your friends where they can find us, they can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. You can also subscribe to TWS Network on Apple Podcasts, and you can leave us a review. 
on Apple Podcasts as well. I mean, it's completely free to leave a review. Can you believe that, guy? Do reviews actually do anything? I know everyone says they do, but, like, do they? In volume, they will push you up the rankings. Like, okay. Only positive ones, though. You can keep those negative thoughts to yourself. Also you. shout them out the window. Yes. It's like, oh, I don't care for this weekend show, but you should listen to it anyway just to see if you like it. Ken's problematic. I am a person that is a product of my times. <laughs> like everyone else. Yeah. I, I'm i trying to be woke, Gar. I'm awake right now. Does that mean I'm woke? I don't know. I got up at half one, so I can't say anything. You, what time did you exit the bed, though? Like half four. Shut up. Gar. I was still in my jammies when you broke into the house and I poked my head out the door in my jammies. Then I put some clothes on and got back into bed for an hour. <laughs> I live a healthy life. Don't Don't question me. Gar's office is also his bedroom, so that's kind of problematic for him. You're problematic, if you think about it. Well, I'm problematic on a personal level. I'm not problematic to other people. I love everyone. I just... I just hate some of them. I just hate some of them. That's okay. Mostly me. I think it's okay to hate people if you're honest about it. Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> don't Please don't hate tweet me. Um, you don't even know what my Twitter is, although it's very easy to find because it is, in fact, my name. At Ken Kidney. Yes, and at Garrett Kidney, we also have a Twitter, mm -hmm. in case you want to tweet us. Mm -hmm. uh, we have very little followers, so you might have trouble finding it, so it's at... Ah, oh, damn it. See, this is why you pissed Twitch that to me all the time, Ken. So, Gar, Gar, what do we what, what do we tweet on? Where's the Twitter? Uh, Twitter.com. At? At TWSKK. You can also drop you us really a You really can't say TWS anymore. I it's can't. The, it's just like It's twizz. just like a mental block. Twizz. <laughs> You done? I'm always done. And also never done. Well, until you die. But then again, we had so much podcast recorded at this stage that people uh, can uh, listen to us for the rest of the time. You'd think we'd be good at it by now. We've done it for hundreds of hours. Yeah. Anyway, you can also drop us a line at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. Nailed it. And until next time, also our theme music is by Blue Wild Productions. Forgot about that. But And until next time. Now, I'm really, I mean it this time. We're going home. It's over. Take it easy, everybody. You never said sick. What? Yeah. <laughs> you never said say goodbye, girl. Oh my god! I think I, I, I think again we had. had it's uh, until next time. Say goodbye, Bugar. Bye bye. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs> Whatever the new theme song equivalent of that is. Yeah, we've done it so many times, and yeah, I still forgot it. And you this said, my script, you said we mean it this time when we were done, and you lied. You lied to our audience, right into their ears. Yeah, some premium content they're listening to right now, admitting our faults. Mm. Okay, bye. <laughs>